0: Welcome to Deuteronomy chapter 3. Man, I'm going to tell you, if I could give this one a title, it would be, How You Respond Makes All the Difference. How You Respond Makes All the Difference. It, it is amazing to me that Moses has been through all of this, and he is about to finish his first sermon on bringing everybody up to, to date before he goes into the new stuff, right? But he, you know, he, he's talking about these things, but if you notice, he's telling uh, the history of what's been going on But at the same time, he's not whining about it. He's not complaining about it. He's setting up, this is what was, now this is what we're going to do. I think that's a wonderful lesson for all of us, but we'll get into that in just a moment. As always, if you like what we're doing here, make sure that if you're watching this on YouTube, you like, share, and subscribe, do all those wonderful things. It really does help us. It doesn't cost you anything to subscribe to the YouTube channel, but it helps us kind of get this idea out there of just rallying around reading God's Word together. If you are listening to this as the podcast, you're my favorites. <laughs> and when you send us a five-star review and comment, it does the same thing. It helps us get into the algorithms and all the good things that I don't care anything about, but it does help us get that message out there that hey man there's some people who are reading God's word every day rallying around this and just enjoying reading God's word every day okay well i really love this idea of really how you respond makes all the difference and i want to set us up before we get into this you kind of realize what's going on and that is don't forget that the greek word for De- is deuteronomy it is greek word that means second law so in the book of exodus you know we had the nation of Israel gets out of Egyptian bondage, they see you know, the Red Sea parted, and then they go to Mount Sinai and they get the, the law. It's amazing, it's awesome. Well, now they get the law, all the good things, and also while they are there, they uh, get the information on how to worship the Lord. That's where we get the book of Leviticus from. So Exodus, Leviticus, and then the beginning of Deuter- uh, Numbers, <laughs> they start heading toward the promised land. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be amazing. Then all kinds of bad things happen, and they end up spending 40 years wandering in the wilderness until that original generation dies off. Everyone who is 20 and older doesn't make it. Well, now all of those kids have grown up, and they're adults, and they're about to finally take over and go into that promised land that they were supposed to. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be awesome. But Moses one of the greatest leaders in the history of the world. Do you, you realize that the three major religions of the world, Islam, Judaism, and Christianity, all three of them, they they really only agree about like one thing. <laughs> Maybe two or three, I don't know, but but really one thing, and that is Moses was awesome. <laughs> I mean, it is amazing. One of the greatest leaders in history is getting ready to die. And this is a writing down of his last sermons where he is cheering on the next generation he's saying i can't go into the promised land i made some mistakes i'm telling you about my mistakes i can't go but i can send you and i can pass on what i know to you so that you can do better than me and he'll say like if 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 we were to take all of his sermon and put it into two words it would be trust and obey trust the lord obey what he says And he's going to do great things in your life. And that's what he's doing in this chapter today, is he is finishing up the past so he can get to the current moment. And then starting tomorrow, he is going to say, okay, now here we are, and this is where we're going. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to finish up listening to kind of the beginning of his sermon, where he is bringing us up to date as to where they are. And I love this idea that you never hear a, a whine, you never hear a, a regret as much as it is just, hey, this is what happened, and this is what we're going to do. Because how we respond makes a lot of difference. All right, if you got your NLT Bibles open with me to Deuteronomy chapter 3, you got your cup of coffee ready, let's jump into God's Word together. It says this, Next we turned and headed for the land of Bashan, where King Og and his entire army attacked us at Edri, But the Lord told me, do not be afraid of them, for I have given you victory over Og and his entire army, and I will give you all his land. Treat him just as you treated King Sihon of the Amorites who ruled in Heshbon. So the Lord our God handed King Og over all his people over to us, and we killed them all. Not a single person survived. We conquered all 60 of his towns and the entire Argob region in his kingdom of Bashan. Not a single town escaped our conquest. These towns were all fortified with high walls of barred gates. We also took many unwalled villages at the same time. We completely destroyed the kingdom of Bashan just as we had destroyed King Sihon of Heshbon. We destroyed all the people in every town we conquered, men, women, children alike. But we kept all the livestock for ourselves and took plunder from all the towns. We, so we took the land of the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River all the way from the Arnon Gorge to Mount Hermon. Mount Hermon is called Sirion by Sidonians, and the Amorites call it Sinar. We had not now conquered all the cities... Of, on the plateau and all of Gilead of Bashan, as far as the towns of Salech and Edri, which is part of Og's kingdom in Bashan. King Og of Bashan was the last survivor of the giant Rephaeats. His bed was made of iron and he had more than 13 feet long and six feet wide. It can still be seen in the Amorite city of Rabbah. So, First of all, what he's saying is, is that they actually went through and they conquered these different things and they were able to defeat these foes that were actually more skilled, mightier, all these things. Even this one joker who had a, now let's, okay, now he had an iron bed. I, I can't think of a single good thing about sleeping on a piece of iron. So maybe there's some straw in there or something, but I know that's not the point. The point is that it was 13 feet long and six feet wide. That is a long bed. That's a tall guy. With an iron bed. So he, not only was he, I don't know, 12 feet tall, but he had a bad back (laughs) because of the iron bed. But the point was, is that they went through and they were able to conquer some of these areas on the east side of the Jordan, preparing for their march across the Jordan into the promised land. All right, verse 12. When he took possession of this land, I gave to to the tribes of Reuben and Gad the territory beyond the Aor along with the Arnon Gorge plus half of the hill country of Gilead with its towns. Then I gave the rest of Gilead and all of Bashan, Og's former kingdom, to the half-tribe of Manasseh. This entire Argob region of Bashan used to be known as the land of the Rephaites. Jair, a leader from the tribe of Manasseh, conquered the whole Argob region in Bashan, all the way to the border of the Gersherites and the Macathites. Jr. renamed this region after himself, calling it the town of Jr., which is still known till today. I gave Gilead to the clan of Machar, but I also gave part of Gilead to the tribes of Reuben and Gad. The area I gave them extended from the middle of the Arnon Gorge in the south of the Jabbok River, on the Amorites' frontier. They also received the Jordan Valley and all the way to the Sea of Galilee down to the Dead Sea with the Jordan River serving as the western boundary to the east where the slopes of Pisgah. Pause. So isn't it interesting that this is now roughly 2,000 years before Jesus is going to be born, and he is dividing up the land where eventually Jesus is going to walk. He is going to heal people. He is going to call disciples. He's going to be crucified. He's going to be risen again. And 2,000 years earlier, they are dividing this land And it is just amazing to think about, like, no idea. They would have no idea how precious and amazing this land was one day going to be because the literal Son of God was going to walk on it. All right, verse 18. At this time, I gave this command to the tribes that would live east of the Jordan. Although the Lord your God has given you this land as your property, all your fighting men must cross the Jordan ahead of your Israelites' relatives, armed and ready to assist them. Your wives, children, and numerous livestock, however, may stay behind in the towns I have given you. When the Lord has given security to the rest of the Israelites, as he is to you, and when you occupy the land the Lord your God is giving them across the Jordan River, then you may return to the land I have given you. And at that time I gave Joshua this charge You have seen for yourself everything the Lord your God has done to these two kings. He will do the same to all the kingdoms on the west side of the Jordan. Do not be afraid of the nations there, for the Lord your God will fight for you. At this time, I'm pleading with the Lord and said, "O oh, sovereign Lord, you have only begun to show your greatness and the strength of your hand to me, your servant. Is there any god in earth or on in heaven or on earth who can perform such great and mighty deeds as you do?" Please let me cross over the Jordan to see the wonderful land on the other side, the beautiful hill country and the Lebanon mountains. But the Lord was angry with me because of you. <laughs> little, little passive aggressive there, right? He would not listen to me. That's enough, he declared. Speak of it no more. But go up to Pisgah Peak and look over the land in every direction. Take a good look, but you may not cross the Jordan River. Instead, commission Joshua and encourage and strengthen him for he will lead the people across the Jordan. He will give them all the land you now see before you as their possession. So we stayed in the valley near Beth Peor. Isn't that amazing? It is amazing that also Moses is being honest. He's saying, when I realized what it was going to be, I wanted to go so bad. I really wanted to see the end of this journey, but I sinned. I messed up. God, you gave me his justice, and I went back and I begged him one more time, and he said, no, 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 don't do it, let it go, let it go. But I'll let you go, and I'll let you see it from a distance, which is more than he deserved. But God said, instead, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go and encourage the next generation. And you know how he keeps saying over and over again, you're going to hear this as we continue, he keeps on saying, do not be afraid, the Lord is with you. Do not be afraid, the Lord is with you. Is with you. It's amazing to realize that this is this Moses is the same one who stood in front of Pharaoh when the only person he really had backing him was his brother Aaron. And as we know, Aaron was kind of a shaky guy from time to time. Moses was the one who, when all of the Israelites would look at him, he had to come up with an answer. He was the one who had to lead them through forty years of wilderness. He had to do all this stuff. Moses knows what fear is, but he also knows about the power of God. And that's what I love. It's not about what happens to you. It's how you respond. And when Moses is finally told, yeah, you're not going to be able to go. I need you to stop talking about it, Moses. Instead, I need you to encourage the next generation. You know what he does? He doesn't get bitter. He's thankful. And he starts to encourage the next generation. I wonder if that would be a wonderful lesson for us. Do you know, we, we can't help what happens to us in this life. So many things happen. Some things are in our control. Many things are out of our control. But the one thing that it is in our control is how we respond. If we respond with bitterness and anger, it never goes right. But when we say, you know what, God, I really don't want to do this, but I'm going to do whatever it is that you require of me because I trust you, and I'm going to move forward, and I'm not going to be afraid. And when we do that, it's amazing how God always works things out in amazing ways that we can't ever understand. And so I just want to encourage you with that today. You can't help what happens to you, but you can help how you respond. And whatever you're going through today, maybe it's the idea of taking kind of a page out of Moses' book, and instead of complaining and whining and whatever, he just stood up and he started to cheer on that next generation, and maybe that's what we need to do today. Let me pray for us, and then we'll be done for today. Father, thank you so much that you are with us more than we can ever understand. You are for us in so many ways. I pray, God, that you will constantly remind us that we don't have to be afraid because you are with us. And because you are with us, all things are possible. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Don't forget, Deuteronomy 30 says this, Today I have given you a choice between life and death. Choose life. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying Him, and committing yourself firmly to Him. Today my prayer is that you will choose life, and you'll realize that you are more loved than you can imagine. I'll see you tomorrow for Deuteronomy chapter four.